This week on Happy, Sad, Confused, Stephen Dorff goes country and Anna Kendrick reteams with an influential director in her life. I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. As always, guys, a couple really fun interviews coming up on this week's show a little bit later on. As I mentioned, Anna Kendrick herself uh, in the studio for a record-breaking fourth time on the podcast. We love her around here. She's always welcome. And, uh, hey, seems to enjoy coming by, which uh, we're not going to complain about. She is in a new movie called Table 19. Um, as I alluded to in the intro, she reteams with a director that was really big in her life. Um, about 10 years ago, uh, she was in a film called Rocket Science. That was a big Sundance hit. The director was Jeffrey Blitz, and it helped launch her career and helped launch his career. And they're back in a film called Table 19. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But first up on the podcast this week is Steven Dorff. Steven Dorff, uh, a fantastic actor. You know him from uh, the Sofia Coppola movie Somewhere, from Blade, way back when. Um, he's kind of one of these guys that's always popping up in interesting, diverse projects, and that certainly describes his new film, uh, which is called Wheeler. Uh, this is a really cool uh, departure for him, and a kind of a bold um, artistic endeavor for Steven Dorff. Um, he hatched this project with a, a friend of his who uh, co-wrote it and directed it. Uh, it's available on demand right now. And basically, imagine if, um, you know, like Sasha Baron Cohen uh, did a Borat-like character but decided to play it as a drama and in a musical variety rather than for comedy. That's kind of what Wheeler is. Wheeler is a, a character, a country kind of Western aspiring star that he plays. And um, this film kind of follows him on his journeys uh, as he's trying to make it in this industry. He's interacting with real people. He's interacting with some actors. Chris Christopherson's in it. Uh, and he he's under prosthetics. It's As I said, it's kind of a bold uh, endeavor for an actor to kind of put themselves out there in this way. So kudos to Stephen for for doing that. And and it seems to be reaping rewards. This, um, you know, if you're into country uh, Western music, um, the, the album is doing very well, apparently. Um, uh, and he's playing, you know, gigs at, at historic venues. And, and who knows, this might be a whole new career for Stephen Dorff as a uh, as a singer. It's it's definitely in his blood. His dad uh, was in the music industry and his, his late brother also was a, a musician of some note. So that's first up on the podcast this week. Without any further ado, I'll let you guys uh, listen in on my conversation uh, with the fascinating, the ambitious Mr. Stephen Dorff. Uh, it's always good to see Mr. Stephen Dorff. Welcome, man. Hey, thanks, Josh. It's thanks good, for having us. It's good to see you. Um, I uh, congratulations. We were just chit chatting. Um, you know, just when you think you've got someone's career figured out, okay, I, I know my way into movies and TV, whatever. Uh, you, you've kind of charted a whole new path recently. Congratulations, man. It's exciting. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's been kind of, you know, it started out as this kind of experiment in our, my living room in Malibu with my friend Ryan here. Uh, ended up, uh, you know, we had a few songs and normally you have a movie idea and then you write the songs for a movie, but we had the songs and we had no idea what the movie was. And, um, I didn't really want to do a Steven Dorff album of, you know, I love music and coming from a family of songwriters and my history. Um, I always was the movie guy. So this has been a interesting experience to put my left foot into this world. And, uh, kind of as a tribute to the world of songwriting and songwriters, but also a tribute to Nashville and Music sure. City and and kind of do it in a real authentic way. So, yeah, it's been exciting that the the song and the album and the movie are kind of uh, been well-received and uh, just kind of uh, let this 
let old Wheeler kind of ride this out. Have you are you have you been kind of like more nervous around this project than most other projects? Or I has... think just because this one is uh, was a homegrown thing. You know, we we built it. We uh, uh, I paid for it. I uh, did everything on this. I'm under prosthetic makeup. I'm doing craft service, even though we didn't have a crew. I'm, um, you know, we're pretty much me and Ryan uh, and a few other key allies just kind of went dirty because we didn't have a, um, a script. We didn't really want to make uh, Country Strong or Crazy Heart or right. a typical, you know, kind of five, six million dollar independent movie with actors playing singers and songwriters that we wanted to really, if anything, approach this the way comedies have approached yeah, if, this any, kind if of anything, filming. this is Borat as much as it is yeah. Crazy Heart. <laughs> That's what I was. I was talking to Sasha Baron Cohen at the premiere in L.A., and he hadn't seen the film yet. He was invited to the party through a, a mutual friend, and he's like, what's this movie you're singing? I hear it's awesome. I said, yeah, man, I kind of approached it the way you probably would approach Borat. You know, you get in your getup, you, you commit, and then you get into scenes and improvs with people and look for those moments and how to build a scene. And, and in comedy, I think it's a lot um, easier. We try to do that same formula kind of the Andy Kaufman-ish Borat thing, but in a drama. Yeah. And so you have that much less time to make things look aesthetically beautiful, tell a story, whereas in comedy, you're kind of going for the bang, right? You're yeah, going you for know the trailer. You, you know when you got it, too. You, you know when you got it, when he gets the guys on the beach and Bruno, and you right. know that's going in the trailer or whatever, you know. Yeah. But I'm a big fan of those kinds of movies anyway, but I hadn't seen it done and approached in a drama. So Ryan did a a great job of letting me be able to focus on the music, which is the the forefront of this whole project and the character and the makeup. And then he really laid out a beautiful path and cast some beautiful um, characters in Nashville playing themselves. And for the most part, most people thought they were really working with a guy named Wheeler Bryson right. for probably YouTube or some web channel or some kind of press for him trying to get a, his make his mark at 41 in Nashville. But uh, they were being shot for a movie. And you were saying, I mean, the, the album's doing well. It sounds like you, you're you pre performing at like the biggest country venues on the planet and being Just received starting, well. Yeah, it's like it's insane. Been, yeah, it's been kind of nerve wracking, but exciting to see it come full circle. And um, I always knew we had the songs, but I guess I've always doubted. Uh, well, I doubt everything when I'm going into it, but uh you know, this has been really exciting. You know, and it's been weird to not be in the makeup and have to sing live in front of people because I put the hat on just yeah. to give me a little bit of my country feel, but it's uh, it's yeah, odd yeah. to be me. I was going to say, like, so, like, on the album, are you essentially singing in a character or do you think you're singing as yourself? Well, like, I think my natural singing voice is kind of has a gruff sound to it, but I think something happened when we kind of changed, We had, when we really wanted to tailor the movie as a country artist and... Um, and then set in, set in Nashville, we kind of went in the studio and brought in some Nashville players and, you know, steel guitar and kind of changed the tracks up from sounding a little more popish to what we wanted. And uh, I, I think the, I would say it didn't change completely the voice, but it definitely was enhanced. And right. funny enough, when I found the voice, I ended up, now I kind of sing that way. It's hard for me to lose, you know, because I've been writing other songs since. And yeah, something about however I found it, it's kind of there now, and right. so it's uh, it's interesting. Were you worried at all about being kind of like welcomed with open arms into kind of a new, you know, a new part of your career? A new, you know, like any industry probably feels proprietary about their world to mm. a certain degree. Um, have you felt any kind of resistance, or has it been kind of met with the with the, the spirit of which it's intended? What's weird is is the music kind of now is kind of speaking for itself. So I'm sure there were the 
you know, some haters out there or some in the beginning, some, um, you know, like what's this Stephen Dorff record, movie, Wheeler, what, you know, but I think after probably the, I don't know, 10th Rolling Stone article we've had, <laughs> like we have a lot of love from Rolling Stone in Nashville and we've had some really great supporters and, and um, for whatever reason, now it seems to be, you know, I always wake up with a surprise. I found out we were on the a highway and I you know on the horizon as this new emerging artist and like there it's in rotation my label turned the radio on and it was playing on the radio pour me out of this town and you know now we're starting to the numbers seem to be building and you know we've only been out for a couple of weeks so it's kind of a it's exciting you know my thing was I never wanted to um go into a world in which I didn't think I could do it right, right? and I also didn't want to venture into my brother and my dad's territory and not do it right uh, just to protect the family uh, name since they've done really well in music and writing songs for years so but you know it's really exciting you know I mean um, I feel I guess a little bit more personal a lot more personal with this one than the normal yeah movie we would maybe sit and talk about because you know there's always those roles that you care about and are special to you but this one I think because I didn't just vanity produce it like some other movies this was you know, we we built this together, me and Ryan, and saw it through, and it was a it was a hard two and a half, almost two and a half year journey to yeah. where we are now, and to see it, to see Wheeler have have given birth to this guy, and he's out there, it's pretty cool. How did your uh, family kind of receive the news when you told them this was kind of this was an undertaking? Did they? I think at first they didn't know what the heck was going on. You know, I came to Nashville, and my big concern wasn't necessarily my dad; it was more my brother sure. because my brother had become. Uh, incredibly successful there in the last few years and I when we went in there he was on the road and he was very busy and he wasn't able to come on set much but I remember the first trip we went down there before we even um, were decided we were making this movie um, I went and played Andrew these four demos and Andrew was like they sound good Steve you know and I uh, he liked that one and that one and I said well maybe we can write one together because I'd love to have you a part of this because in a way I'm this crazy idea we have if it works it's set in the world of a songwriter and in this town and it's gonna we want to do it the most nostalgic and the most kind of pay tribute to that in a very dreamlike but very realistic way for this midlife guy to come into this town music city and play some open mics and meet some people and then gets a development deal and then some other stuff happens without uh, ruining the film for people that haven't seen it but um Andrew was really receptive, but I think also was maybe a little nervous of what the heck's my brother doing in my town, you know, kind of because Andrew had been living there for 12 years at the time and um, was finally coming into his own. It had some number ones. and uh, But, yeah, it was uh, in the end, my brother, when I sent him a Blu-ray about eight or nine months ago, uh, um, you know, the final cut and coming out in February he was really blown away and he didn't nice. give me the blu-ray back I was like hey man we got piracy <laughs> issues I need that back and he was like this is a low budget it. film I need every blu-ray yeah he, yeah I was like counting where's that other blu-ray oh we sent it to the the guy from Walmart oh okay get that back you know but um now now it's birthed and in the universe so I don't think I have to worry too much about uh, the DVD anymore but um now Andrew really loved it and my dad nice. really really loved it and I love that it's just kind of pays tribute a little bit to uh to the guys that are really in the background for the most part, you know, the guys that write these hits usually, unless you're one of the few artists that write your own material. But in the world of country, 
there's not many of those. Yeah, I would imagine. And I can, I can only imagine also performing this and talking about this. It must be bittersweet. My condolences. I know you lost mm, your brother you. very yeah. recently. Yeah. Um, when you're performing, I mean, he must come to mind all the time. And this kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I mean, he just definitely felt like he was there at the Ryman that night. I mean, I was very nervous before. And just getting through those two songs was a major achievement for me. And and to hear the, you know, the reception from the audience and then to... You know, I definitely felt like my brother would have been tripping out seeing me play the Ryman because, yeah. you know, he'd never even played the Ryman. But yet again, songwriters don't really, they'll play more of the writer rounds at like the Bluebird, which is a scene out of our movie that we right. we kind of got to do. And um, But he, uh, yeah, he, he was really into the film and uh, it's, it's definitely a bittersweet one. And he's got a ton of songs on the radio now and he's going to live on through his music. Sure. But yeah, it's a much, uh, it's a much different, thing than I had ever would have imagined writing this film a couple years ago yeah. with Ryan and kind of hatching this idea to where it's at now. So, At this point, do you, you know, having been around the block a couple times in your career, up, ups and downs, et cetera, like any other actor, do you, do you care much about kind of perception of like, quote unquote, the industry in, sort of, in terms of like what they make of like the left turns and the right turns and kind of like the strange kind of trips that you go down or is it all really? Sort of- I mean, I find that I've met some really smart uh incredible journalists and, and critics over the years of my career that have ultimately become kind of friends that I always go and see on movie. You know, you develop relationships even in the press circuit, right? But, uh, but you know, there also is a lot of people that I think are just late bloomers to things. And, you know, it'll be when Pour Me Out of This Town is in the top 20, that's when they'll all start calling, right. you know, and I'll, and I'll pass on all of them. <laughs> um, but, Karma's uh, a bitch. Yeah, but, uh, you know, the um, the thing is, is, you know, there's a lot of smart people and there's a lot of dumb people in my business. You know, as right. you know, um, a lot of bad movies made this year, too. <laughs> but well, um, let's go down that road. Yeah, what a year for movies. <laughs> hey oh, all right. <laughs> and how about those Grammys? Those are... <laughs> I don't know who was running the technical on those, but oh yeah, Metallica was. was I mean, how about how about every every single thing that could have gone wrong happened for that poor director? I, maybe he's maybe he's going to change paths, or maybe they shouldn't do it at Staples Center because they just didn't have the controlling down. Early in your career, you did a fair amount of TV, and I would imagine opportunities come up. Yeah, Does that, sometimes. Is, is that intriguing at all to like? Yeah, get I mean, now in with TV, you got all these great writers. I'd love to do something on you know Netflix or on. Uh, you know, on cable, I think more than the network, maybe, you know, the network has always kind of come at me hard to do one of these, you know, probably NCIS's or something. And 24, the next generation. Yeah. Or, you know, (laughs) prison break in Hawaii or I don't know, you know, but I mean, I just, if you're going to do a prison break, you might as well do it in Hawaii to be fair, you know? um, (laughs) So, and we were laughing when when you, When you came in, uh, I think the last time you sat down with me, we were talking about Somewhere, yeah. a, a wonderful film with Sophia, of course, Sophia Coppola. Um, and we were laughing. We, we went down memory lane on the Britney Spears thing. And, the, yeah. and, and like, I mean, there were these things that always come up in an actor's career. Like, have you, have you had your ups and downs with sort of like when somebody, you know, says Deacon Frost and screams at you on the street yeah. or, or Britney or, or starts or singing? That, yeah, or I get, hey, you're the Isig guy. Right. You know, <laughs> That's yeah, the newer get, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get kind of... <laughs> I kind of get the. I mean, I can't ever seem to live down the blade thing. It just kind of just just reverberates. <laughs> Deacon Frost just reverberates kind of wherever I go. It's and kind that must of be amazing. a bit of a mind fuck, knowing that like at the time that wasn't the, you didn't think it was going to be much of anything of note, right? Yeah, it's weird, and I think also now with just how the world's changed and how Marvel has just become kind of the biggest thing in movies, right, and TV and stuff as far as just this comic book craze and family films have just gone 
bat shit crazy, you know, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and basically, uh, you know, Blade being the first Marvel movie, I think that probably has something to do with it, sure. too, the fact that that and Matrix 1 were very inventive at their times by those directors, and, you know, look, I, yeah, at the time, I thought I was a sellout, and I was going to look so stupid, and, but it's a character that I just, since 1998, I just cannot nope. get rid of, <laughs> and probably never will, but, um, you know, hey, look, you know, when they stick, they stick, and, I get a random, you know, it's weird. I'll be around more of an art audience and more of a film buff kind of film student, you know, and people will go ape shit about uh, Cecil B. Demented or, or I somewhere. Shot Andy or Warhol. I shot Andy Warhol. Yep. And then, yep. you know, then the Blade fans and the E-Sig guys, they have no idea what those movies are. Right. You know what I mean? Or never heard of <laughs> You're bringing everybody together, Steve. So I'm bringing everybody together. And, um, <laughs> you know, I guess I got to hit the comedy genre a little more. So I might do this... Uh, got this cool script called one year later that i developed that i had written that i um actually paid for that i think we're gonna uh, make a good deal on and uh, make but it's it's a lot more expensive than wheeler because it's an la movie and it's yep. more of a typical script and it's got 100 pages and it's not just an <laughs> experiment um that we're turning into a full-length feature so yeah that, that that'll be fun and i think just kind of mixing it up but i'm definitely open to the tv thing that whole like oh that's tv is kind of i think that old that's an old way of looking yep. at it now what what's the future hold for this character the music career what's i mean are you do you have plans or are you just kind of seeing where this it's goes kind of like well i'm getting hit up by music reps now and agencies and you know uh managers and and labels and you know i think i want to see this album through and what i love about wheeler is is that we have no pressure really um, normally when you open a movie, you know, on that first afternoon or that night right. before, if you're going to be around in theaters in the second week, you know, I think we're all pretty realistic that Wheeler's, um, doing good business on, on demand. And after that run, it'll come on DVD. And then after that, it'll be going to Netflix. So it'll have a nice powwow there. And it's just kind of, kind of going to float and live with this word of mouth as the album is kind of going to be playing and going throughout as we release a second single at some point as the vinyl comes because sure. we're in line for the vinyl you know it takes everybody's in line for is that vinyl. right yeah because there are only so many people that are yeah, making now it. vinyls yeah, yeah. a craze again so you can't you know no matter who you are i think i heard the story that metallica was in the line and <laughs> they were just like enough of this and they built their own building to make vinyl yeah when right? you're metallica you can do that yeah lars probably is like <laughs> i'm gonna build my own factory um except for the grammys they didn't get my mic working but anyway <laughs> they're cool um, with it though i'm sure they handled that they yeah. weren't upset at no, about and it I at really all. like that performance too. And mm -hmm. I'm wondering how he knew he couldn't be heard, you know. But I think somebody must have gotten his attention because he he threw his guitar in the air pretty high. Yeah, I, I, I heard. <laughs> I heard an interview with Lars afterwards that said he hasn't seen James that upset in like 20 years. So you can only imagine. Yeah, and what James went on is the a big, room. strong, mean-looking yeah. dude. Um, I wouldn't want to <laughs> piss him off. It's not like pissing Bruno Mars off or something, you know. Then maybe it's like, ah, Bruno, who cares, you know? Yeah, you exactly. butchered the Prince tribute, buddy. You butchered it. Um, sorry. Um, let's see. Congratulations on Wheeler. Thank you, man. Sir. Yeah, I'm going to ride it out if they want me to play stagecoach. If they to answer nice. your question, yeah, yeah. I'm going to ride it out. I won't be getting in the makeup too many more times just because <laughs> a it costs a fortune and it's really must be super comfortable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can only imagine. Uh, well, everybody should check out Wheeler on demand. The album is out there. Uh, any other specific ways they should consume it? Any way that you can find it? Grab uh, it. Spotify, iTunes for cool. the album, movie, iTunes on demand. I think the only place that it was hard to find is this Time Warner something because they're owned by they're, they just 
moved to another company. Yeah, <laughs> and I know that that comes on demand with them. I think in a week, right, on February twenty eighth. So okay. there's a bit of a delay for all you Time Warner people out there. <laughs> Spectrum. Sadly, I'm one of them. Hey. Uh, I can't vouch for it. But um, uh, yeah, you can get the movie on iTunes, Apple TV, you know, all over the place. Nice. Direct TV, all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, have a beer, watch it in the comfiness of your own living room, and. Uh, tell your friends man there you go spread the good word uh it's yeah. good to see you man congratulations on this one and good for you and putting yourself out there and pushing yourself in new directions uh Thanks, and, and i hope you enjoy the ride man Thank good to you, see buddy. as always yeah you're listening to happy sad confused we'll be right back after this That was Stephen Dorff. The movie and album is Wheeler. You know how to find these things on demand, streaming on various services. Go check it out. Moving on, it's time to hear from one of our favorite guests on Happy Sad Confused, Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick joined us alongside her director, Jeffrey Blitz. They've reteamed after a decade apart. Uh, they were on. They made the film Rocket Science way back when, and now they are uh, part of this uh, lovely new film called Table 19, a fun uh, comedic ensemble that stars Anna alongside June Squibb and Stephen Merchant and Craig Robinson and Lisa Kudrow. It's a, a really cool, interesting cast, and it's a, it's a fun movie looking at sort of the reject table at a wedding and how these strangers meet and how they kind of find Find their way together. White Russell's also in the film. It's a, it's one of those films that like every time you turn a corner, there's another cool actor in it. Um, and as I said earlier, Anna is uh, is a regular on Happy Sad Confused. She made time to visit us uh, in a brief respite uh, from her shooting the new Pitch Perfect movie. So we talk a little bit about that uh, and various other things going on in her life. She's always very busy, so always very appreciative when Anna comes by. And as you can imagine, she's super fun. As is uh, her director Jeffrey Blitz. So let's go to that conversation right now and uh, hope you guys enjoy this conversation and the movie Table 19 check it out True. No, this is all true, and this is all on the record. We're yeah, joined yeah, we're by... putting it. I'm glad we're finally talking about Jeff's demanding directorial style. We're yeah, talking to uh, uh, Ms. Anna Kendrick, her fourth visit to the podcast, a record-setting fourth time. Oh God! Oh my God! I feel like such a loser. I <laughs> hang her on. You need to find other things to do with your life. Clearly, uh, but making his podcast debut is her auteur, her director, Mr. <laughs> Jeffrey Blitz. He almost kept it together Ew. when I described it. Ew! That was awful. He hated that. I hated that. I, it made me laugh, but I do now. Uh, know that I'm going to do this show once and never come back because that's the cooler thing to do. Apparently. Yeah, all the cool kids never come back. All right. <laughs> all right. I'll be the loser. Used to it. I'm sorry that I, and Anna's all all out of sorts because in the past we've done this like really like super janky <laughs> like on the fly yeah, in your recording office. into my iPhone yeah, practically. Like, just, like I didn't even I have like almost no recollection of there being recording equipment right. <laughs> maybe that's why I keep doing the podcast I don't know I'm on a podcast well now it's official I just There's... think I just accidentally thought we were friends nope. and you were asking me nope. questions it's all about professional. my life we have a wooden table but there's it's a almost table Charlie there's another person in this room <laughs> who is not on the podcast who is going to stay silent and just record things Kasha's is always welcome to chime in you've got you headphones on it's really confusing <laughs> good. I don't know why you're big timing me. I don't know why you're pretending that after four times you've got like a big deal podcast. Everybody just calm down. <laughs> I was going to say congratulations. Is that why you, is yes. that why you moved offices? <laughs> I, I still want to talk about this. <laughs> why I moved is that offices? why you moved offices to be next to a recording studio? Yeah, if you'll notice that literally nobody sits around me except for an empty podcast studio. Oh, is that true? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. They, they try to keep They try to keep away, away from you. Yeah. 
I get the hint after 11 years at MTV. No one wants to talk to me. I do think it's important, though, just to clarify that I feel like you've created an image of this place that doesn't suggest that the table is like is like an old, like, this isn't like a, a, a barrel. table. Right. Yeah. It looks like it was, came off a farm. Yeah, yeah. So is that <laughs> right. your way of trying to make us relax? Yeah. Like, I know you love farming equipment. Feel yeah. like I'm in like a new kind of Brooklyn style <laughs> craft brewery. Mm, you know what? Ooh, I'm feeling. Let's bring in craft brews, I'm, guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm starting to feel more relaxed already. <laughs> <laughs> we should say to, uh, to make sure we get the business at hand out of the way. You were promoting a lovely new film I saw. Congratulations. Table 19. This is a historic reteaming of you guys. I know. I, I owed him one because he gave me my first <laughs> film job. <laughs> my first union film job. So 10 years later, I got roped into another movie. Yeah. That is not that is not how I really feel about it. I actually, um, we made a movie together when I was 19. And it was my first union film job. And uh, Jeff and I have been friends ever since and hung out a lot. And... I've been like subtly dropping hints that we should do something together for like a decade. And uh, and then he like out of absolutely nowhere was like, oh, I'm sending you this script and I wrote it with you in mind and I want you to do it. And I also know him well enough, I've known him for over 10 years now, that I know that he's a slow writer. That's true. He is the slowest writer I've ever heard of. Yeah, that's true too. What's your pace? What is, what's, uh, how does that, what's the, what, can we quantify this? The plan was one film over the course of my life. <laughs> that was the plan. Oh, so you had a schedule. You're doing good. Yeah, I guess so. It feels like it's all, it feels like it's, it feels like it's moving very fast. <laughs> it's know. a whirlwind. That's what it feels like. Um, but that meant that like he'd been sitting on this and not telling me about it for God knows how long. So he's very sneaky. Yeah, why the so I was games? really excited when he was That's just like, oh, I. So uh, let's let's go down memory lane. Rocket Science, uh, 10 years ago, mm -hmm. this past January, debuted at Sundance. Uh, first recollection when Anna walked in the, in the audition room, I presume. What do you recall seeing of her? What struck you about her being right for the role at Rocket Science. Well, Anna was one of the first people to come in to read for that role, and I knew that- And you just got tired. And <laughs> All right. Good no, enough. No, 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 and I, no, and I just, it was like the character that I had had in my head had walked into the room, and I knew this was who we needed to cast. But the studio insisted, probably wisely, that I, that I had to wait and that I was gonna see, you know, and that over the course of the casting thing, I'd see a lot of different people and they'd bring a lot of different things to it. And it was important for me not to, you know. Quit after one day. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. But I was ready to, and, and I would have been right to. It would have saved me a lot of time. <laughs> and probably I would have gotten to my second movie that much faster. Yeah, a couple weeks faster. In the way that I wanted. Something like that, yeah. Uh, but no, but they, but they insisted that, that, that we keep looking. And so we looked and... Other yeah, cities, I came in a lot. Months, yeah. I Anna flew came in a lot. to New York right. to re-audition. I flew to Baltimore, Baltimore to re-audition. I remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I didn't, there was no reason, I think, for me to feel the confidence uh, that it wasn't that I felt like I was great at the, at, like at that part of filmmaking yet. Uh, although, I mean, Like I at think, casting? Yeah, yeah, right. But I mean, I think that I probably secretly just thought like, it makes sense that uh, the roles that I have in my head, that when I see the people who can do them well, that I will know that. Right. But somehow I was just, 
I was incredibly confident in this choice. And that may say more about Anna than it does about me, but I was incredibly confident in this choice. And then trying to convince other people that my enthusiasm uh, for it was was right for the movie. It was not just like some weird... Whimsical, I don't like... want to cast more than one day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? right. Laziness? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because I do think that I I feel like I exude laziness. And yeah, that's, what people that's true. I think for the most part that my slow writing is... <laughs> it's not indicative of actual laziness. It's just... It's a, it's a, yeah. Would you say? I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. No, Jeff never struck me as lazy. My first impression of Jeff was that he was like very timid. But I think that might have been was actually I don't think I've ever asked you this before. Was that like the first experience you'd had with casting, like that day or those few days? Oh goodness! Like had you cast things before? Because you had done this was the first narrative because you'd done Spellbound. spellbound. Yes, right. I had done Spellbound, which is a different kind of casting. But I had cast student films, and I was very awkward about that part of it because I always felt like if an actor comes to to like waste time mm. in my terrible student film and I'm going to say no to some of these people who are coming yeah. interested in doing that and I felt really uh, shitty about that part mm. of it. So this was probably I don't think I had really done a casting before that. So, so yeah, I think I felt yeah. like you came to gave me one to give me one direction and you like got up from your seat and like came over and were, you were like looking at my sides with me and you were like whispering and I got like the impression that you were intimidated, which I think I only noticed because I'm so used to people in casting rooms being like so flip, I guess, right. or brash They've got or all the power, something. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and I found it like very comforting, I, I guess. And where were you at? Because you'd been in camp a few years prior. Yes. But where were you at? Were you um, desperate? Were you excited? Where were you I, I, at? In well, your I was pretty desperate about money at that point. That's for sure. <laughs> Not that rocket science helped me a ton in that department, but um, yeah, I remember being kind of right up against it in terms of money. But I was. But that's how actors are for years and years, right. and you're always like right up against it. Um, but I remember. Um, like going to Jack in the Box right before, because it's that building that's right next to that Jack yes, in the Box yeah, on La Brea. Still there, yeah. And um, oh, like, Lord, yeah. I maybe I went after. Maybe I felt like I did a good job, so I deserved some Jack in the Box. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I the script was also very different from anything I'd read. Like I, I was mostly I was nineteen, but I was auditioning for mostly like sixteen-year-olds, high school girls, and Ginny was a 16-year-old high school girl, but most 16-year-old high school girls in scripts that I was reading did not talk that way. And I don't even mean the the speed talking, sure. which was an element that was really interesting about the movie, but just that that confidence and a kind of Machiavellian turn for her, it was all very, um, very um, unique. And that was actually, I auditioned with this monologue about War of the Worlds. Yes. About the radio play War yeah. of the Worlds. Like Ginny had this big monologue about uh, how like, she was like trying to get uh, Hal, this kid that she kind of manipulates through the movie. She was trying to get him to, you know, do whatever it was that she wanted him to do that day. Like, who knows? Um, uh, by telling him this story about the radio play uh, War of the Worlds and how people didn't know that it was fake at first. And it sounded like people were really reporting an alien invasion. And right. I forget how the monologue ended, but 
it was a crazy piece and it totally got cut from the script. It's not like we <laughs> yeah. ever filmed it. No, was, I know. Was that at, at, at a high speed? Like, did you have to speed talk that one as well? Or no, was that but not it was the... a very cold. I remember feeling like it it was a very cold thing that she was doing. Like, not, um, I mean, she was, well, weirdly, she was trying to be very warm to Hal, but she's not a very warm person. So, um, it was a little bit of that awkwardness of somebody who, like, is not a, not a sociopath, but, you know, she's not a great person. Sure. Um, like, trying to, um, you know, feel like they're, they're really teaching somebody something. Right. I think it was the fact that she was trying to um, let this kid know and, and do that through kind of a weird parable of sorts <laughs> that, was, um, that was really interesting. Yeah, I had forgotten that, but I remember I loved that speech so much, and I don't know why I cut it. <laughs> but I will say, like, there's something it, – it, it it does make me think, like, there is this interesting thing that happens. I don't where, remember the point – I don't remember why she was telling me No, 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 story. I don't remember either. Okay, I just think, like, Maybe that's I, why it was cut. Great, great. I, I probably – I was going – I was listening to War of the War. Like, I listened to the broadcast and you were thought like, I had something to say movie. about it. Or, yeah. I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened with it. But I do think, like, there are these – um. Like, there's a version of that movie that still exists in my head that is pre-anybody being cast in it. Mm. And, like, where... And that is a movie that I can play in my head, except I had forgotten that The War of the Worlds was a part of that. And that doesn't involve... And it doesn't look the way the movie looks, and it Whoa. doesn't sound that way. And that movie exists. And that's certainly true for Table 19 also. But for all these things, even even on the doc projects... Before you go out to shoot, or before That's I go out to shoot, this documentary. Oh, thanks, oh, thanks, thank you, thank you, uh, yeah. thank you. Yeah, you that have like a, you have like a movie in your head. Yeah, totally. And then you go out and and for a uh, yeah, then you see like what the world brings you, and it's not the thing in your head. But I never let go, or I never erase the thing in my head. Right, right. And then you shoot it, and when you when when it's being edited together it becomes a different movie also. So there are like yeah. mult, like three or four different movies. versions of these movies. Uh, That's so interesting. Because like, I have that with books. Like if I read a book and then see the movie, I'll still kind of be able to play the movie and like the the images in my head right. from the book. Is it like that? Uh, it's it's clearer than that. For me, for me, if I read a book and I see the movie, it gets cloudy. It's very hard for me to not you know, to not start to uh, let like, one bleed into the other. Right. But for the stuff that I write, it's different. It because still exists at two distinct yeah. entities in your brain. Yeah. That's fascinating. It does. So, and, and the, and the, was it kind of a roller coaster, the kind of the Sundance of it all? Because as I recall, like, and, and, re and reading up on it, it was very well received. I think you earned a, a, an honor there. Um, it, it sold probably while it was there, I assume. It didn't. Or... Uh, it had pre-sold. Okay. Like the, so the by the time you got there, you already had that locked up. So that's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it opens and it doesn't do the business that you necessarily want at the time. So were you kind of like, did that throw you for a loop? Because it did get great reviews, but it didn't get the commercial what, probably what you wanted at the time. Yeah. I don't. Rem I remember, kind of in a way, like not being thrown for a loop at all because I was like, "Who is going to see this movie with all these people right. that they've never heard of?" Yes. Like there was. It was around that uh, time, right after Juno, I right. think. Yes. Um, or maybe right before Juno or that something. Was right after. Um, 
where there was a sense of like, well, Ellen Page and Michael Sarah aren't n- really known. Right. But I was like, right, but in the trailer is Jason Bateman and Jennifer, Jennifer Garner. Garner. Right. And people kind of knew Michael, like, yeah. you know, if they hadn't yeah. seen Superbad, they were aware of Superbad. Right. And uh, there was this sense that somehow rocket science could be like a Juno success story. And I was like, but there's no one famous in this. <laughs> like it do- and, I, and it's not that you need it's not that you need big stars to open a movie necessarily, but even having a face Something you recognize a in a trailer, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it makes you go, oh, that's a real movie. Although, and mean, this, the trailer for this, I was like, this doesn't feel like a real movie, and <laughs> I'm in it. But I'll tell you, like, what's interesting is you put the responsibility for that on the cast, mm. so, so that's your way of assuming some of the responsibility for it. I just think, like, a movie about a stuttering kid who, who – Joins the debate team. Right, Very like exciting. A, yeah, the chances that that was ever going to turn into Avatar were like 50 <laughs> 50. And we just ended up on the wrong side of that. Did Clearly. you consider setting it on another planet with blue aliens? In I the thought mix? I did. I thought I did. Well, wasn't I I there, did. and this was like, I feel like this happened at Sundance. A woman came up to us, I think. I want to say it was me and maybe some of the cast. I, I don't know that you were there. Maybe you were. This woman um, who was in some capacity like a distributor or a production company owner or something, you know, it's like the suit side of the business, was like, you know, I feel like um, he just needs a bigger reward at the end of the yes, movie. Yes, I was there Yeah, because was. like his one victory at the end, like all this kind of – Stuff happens and he he gets really close to victory a couple of times in the movie. And he redeems himself, but he doesn't get the kind of public validation or recognition that you maybe think he will. And then he is finally able to say the word pizza and get a damn slice of pizza. And, like, it is this beautiful, victorious moment that he's got his damn slice of pizza. And this woman was like, it has to be more than that. Like, he has to win. And I think there was maybe also a little bit of, like, a Napoleon Dynamite thing where in Napoleon Dynamite, he, like, did a dance and the whole school applauded him. And there was a sense that, like, to make it more like, to make it more like Napoleon Dynamite, (laughs) it should be this big. To be fair, um, he gets three slices of pizza at the end, I think, right? Oh, Dan, you know the movie better than I do, nerd. But I guess I don't know why it didn't throw me, the fact that it didn't play at the box office and that almost no one has seen it because I think I felt like I was making the movie not for myself but for like a select group of people (laughs) in my head. And once they saw it and they, you know, like and they liked it, it was – I felt like I did what I set out to do. And also I I think for – me and for you and for others in the movie, it felt like it had helped to launch us all and that that was really what it was doing there. And once it had done that, like, yeah, like, you know, if it had, yeah, if it had, if it had found a bigger audience, uh, uh, even better, but uh, somehow it didn't feel necessary. I remember seeing it play at Sundance and it was the first time I'd seen a cut of the movie and walking out and genuinely feeling like if I wasn't in this movie, I would love this movie. And I don't think I've felt that way about a movie I've been in since. (laughs) Genuinely. I mean, like, because it was just so odd. Like, it was so lovely. And, like, I've been very, very proud of movies that I've been in. But, like, even Up in the Air didn't, like, speak to me personally the way that Rocket Science did. This is Happy Sack Confused. We'll be right back after this. 
jumping forward, we've sold a lot of uh, DVDs and and views on Amazon and Netflix for or at least science. of the trailer before people decide to go. Eh, not for me. <laughs> Wait no, check it out, guys. We Hang ruined the on, ending, right. but uh, enjoy at the, point the movie. At which, right, at the point at which Anna said it's about a stuttering boy who joins <laughs> his debate team. That was not a joke. And we told, and we ruined the ending she that he gets, a, gets, he gets a slice of pizza. Well, the important po- part is that you both are are still here. You still enjoy each other's company. You're still mm-hmm. making good movies together. Uh, and Table 19 exists. This is a good thing. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this one, first, kudos on the cast, because this is an insane. The, the group that you, you've assembled here is uh, some of my favorite human beings on the planet. Um, it was crazy. Like, there was a point where we were all kind of living in a house together, because mm-hmm. um, the location was so far away from Atlanta proper that we were, like, on a like a lake house. Yeah. Uh, and, I, yeah, I was like, I'm in a house with June Squibb, <laughs> uh, Tony Revolori, Craig Robinson, Lisa Kudrow, right. Stephen Merchant, Stephen Merchant. and yeah. we're just like waking up in the morning and making bagels. <laughs> 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 so the shorthand for this, I mean, like it's, you know, I, I saw someone refer to it as almost like breakfast club set at, at a wedding. It's yeah. the rejects yeah. table, basically. They have no past history, this group of people that find themselves at this wedding, uh, at this table, table 19. Yeah. Um, was this, did this start out as your idea? Or no, you know, it came no, no, to no, you? it didn't. Yeah, the studio, uh, Mark and Jay Duplass wrote the first draft of it and then went on to do other things in the studio. I was looking for someone else to come on. Their draft of it, the lead... Was a dude, first of all. Yes, that's true. It was a dude who was going to tell... The woman who was getting married was his ex and he was going to try to win her back. And, uh, and then because I was like, well, if I'm going to allow myself to be hired to do a rewrite of this and to be attached to it, then how do I restructure this in a way where the um, where the table feels like the kind of table that I've been at and also where it can center around a character that I could imagine Anna would want to play? Uh, angry? Yes. <laughs> is that the key? She's very angry. She is very angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is. It was fun. Yeah. Do you right. respond to aggression in your characters? Maybe. Maybe Jeff's women are all <laughs> his best women are angry women. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think my best. I think, I think good characters are angry characters in oh, general. That's interesting. I think. I think so. They need a. Yeah, I think so. You, they yeah. start. You they, something has to be. Well, you don't want a passive character. You well, know what but I mean? more or, than that, I think like something has to start off balance in somebody's life mm-hmm. at the beginning in order for you to be invested in right. watching them try to change something. And if it's off balance, I want them at some whether they express it or not to to be to be upset about the fact that it's off balance to be motivated to want to do something about it. And I guess I do it in a lot of bad ways at first. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, she makes a lot of poor choices. I'm trying to imagine if I would be more starstruck or excited to spend time with June Squibb or Stephen Merchant. In, in, in each of their own ways, they are uh, forces to be reckoned yeah, with. Yeah, well, that is true. I found myself around June, I was tongue-tied. Yeah. I really was, like, in ways that I generally don't get, and I just thought, like, oh, my Lord, like, I, I, really, just to try to think of anything where I felt like, what can I say to her as director where she's not just going to think like, oh, my God, like, you know, <laughs> child. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I was just so I was tongue tied merchant who is so funny and so impressive, but not he makes himself not intimidating. Yes. You know, yeah. 
He also, it's on, I've never worked with somebody who is quite that funny, who is also that tall? not. <laughs> Let's just get that out of the way, people. It's I just want to say he's so tall. <laughs> um, who's that funny, but who really, really knows how to pick his moments and how to wait yes. and Lord, yes. uh, yeah. to like savor his own moments or, or like um, most people that I have met who are as funny as Steven or approaching as funny as Steven have 10 ideas per scene. Right. They want like they want a equipped line uh, after every third line. And Steven was so happy to just wait and have the perfect line, like one per scene yeah. sometimes even. And that was really impressive. To yeah. Me. It, it, he was not about like throwing everything at the wall and seeing what stuck. Do you, are you folks the types that when you get a wedding invitation in the mail, are you filled with excitement or dread? Are you happy to be taking part in this momentous? Is anybody affair? happy? Right. This see, is like I, a legitimate no, question. No, no, I know. See, I was going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb, not much of one, and say, Anne and I respond in the same way, <laughs> which is dread. Right. No. We get it and we feel like uh, both of us are going to, at the same time, we'll feel like, it's we're both glad that work means that it's impossible for us to go. <laughs> I need to schedule another job to make no, sure. No, no. Yeah. But the thing is, we don't have to do that. <laughs> One of the perks is that 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 like generally it's not a we lie. actually can't. Go. Right, we can't, and it's and, thank God. Right, it's such a relief. <laughs> Why is that? You think you're just horrible human beings? So yes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm yes. in the same camp as you guys. So just get that off the, my chest. Yeah. But to say it, I don't know. There's just like the idea that two people are are going to make this commitment is obviously wonderful. But the idea that your friends are basically about to put on a little pageant. <laughs> like, remember the Christmas pageant? And how, like, when you grew up and you still went to the Christmas pageant, it was always a little like, oh, is everything going to go okay? Oh, no, one of the sheep, all oh, the three wise men are, like, you know, going to the side of the stage. and um, And just this sense that, like, you walk down, you know, there's a groomsman and a bridesmaid and they walk down and like, God forbid, one of them be too close to the other and they ruin like the rhythm of it. It's like you're going to watch your friends put on a slightly impromptu play about their relationship. <laughs> right. And you, meanwhile, are in a very nice dress or suit on your very best behavior, kind of hungry. Normally, like you're either sweating or freezing. It's just like the most absurd social yeah. situation, in my opinion. Yeah, you paint a beautiful picture of, of romance. I know. I'm I'm terrible. I'm a cynic. What can I say? So, have you planned your dream your dream wedding? What's the dream Anna Kendrick my wedding? My dream wedding is at City Hall, and nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> There's no theme to it. There's no Game of Thrones the theme. The theme oh. is City Hall. <laughs> the theme, theme is very the few theme people. Theme is oh. nobody knows about this. And I don't have to bother my bridesmaids yeah. about what nail color they're my, supposed to wear. My yes. um, dream wedding is, uh, it's very elaborate and it's in a <laughs> oh, very so? fancy place, uh -huh. but the theme is City Hall. <laughs> so. Okay, we'll have to duke it out over So who. I'm going to have like people dressed as clerks, like the mm -hmm. catering staff dressed as City Hall clerks. <laughs> yeah. Be, Maybe uh, somebody there to contest a parking violation. I think that would be great <laughs> yeah. if, instead of like a minister. It mm. feels like you're at the DMV. Mm -hmm. But it's in a beautiful location. Yeah, but we've made it look. Ugly. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've yeah. spent a lot of money to make, to make it, it look like, like fluorescent lighting, yeah. overhead <laughs> flickering bulbs. A lot of unnecessary paperwork. That's the plan mm. anyway. That's okay. the plan. That's the dream. Fingers crossed. Let's not it. <laughs> so is this going to be like the, the Michael Apted 7-Up series where every 10 years you guys 
uh, reunite for a different kind of project? Have you planned out? My characters um, just get worse angry, and worse. Angry. <laughs> Maybe. I would Can like you stand to... to work with each other more than once every 10 years is, I guess, what I'm asking. I actually really enjoy working with somebody that I know so well. I mean, I, I've never worked with a director that I have known this long or been friends with. Um, and it was actually kind of fun to me the way that you can have, like, onset disagreements and then you're just fine. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was never, like, nervous about kind of getting into, like, a heated argument with you. Because no, it was for like, sure. this is fine. But I will say there is something that is uh, intimidating. is not the right word. But there's something really odd about, like, I know when I get a look from you on set <laughs> – I know what it means, you know, <laughs> like I know what those looks mean. Yeah, and if I didn't like with a with a director well, I didn't know well, I would like not be I would have to like passive aggressively be like, um, uh, shouldn't consider um doing a version <laughs> where um yeah. Can you give us uh, an example of a look for future directors that are working with Anna Kendrick? Mm-hmm. Uh, what to look out for to know she needs another take, doesn't want another take, wants I mean, to shut up, anything? But but the truth of it is, I, I, I don't mean it like that. I just think like. There's a lot of history here already, and so it feels like I know, or like I know, if I give Anna a note and it doesn't quite land, in my head I'm thinking, oh, she's thinking back to this other note that I gave a long time ago, or to a conversation that we had in one of the mini dinners, right, or right, yeah. or something like that, and she's giving me that look, like. Don't give that note blitz. I know that that's bull. Yeah. I know that's bull. Yeah. And I can see it and I can imagine what she's thinking back to. I and remember so I one day you were about to give me a note and I and you were struggling with how to approach giving me this note because of course you don't What was the note? Well, you you're remember? I'm going to tell you. Okay, all right. Okay. Um and I could tell that you were working up like a something really great to say about the arc of the of the film or the character or what the audience needed to be feeling in that moment and and you were about to talk and I was and you were, you were like can you try one that's more and I was like like the end of a movie <laughs> it feels oh. like the end of a movie yes. and you were like yes <laughs> but I like I that. do like enjoy giving you a little sass about that and then doing it because you know it, that's yeah, just fun it's, that's, that's fun the fastest way to get there yeah. it's like you needed to feel like it's the end of the movie I'll, you know let's try one I know how to like do that, that. yeah um, just to catch up with what everybody is up to I was saying before I'm a big fan of review uh, Jeff you. is a, a big part of that you've directed every single episode with your yeah, executive producer true. on the show yeah. um, we're going to see the culmination of that yeah. soon yeah yeah the final episodes start to air March 16th. Nice. And uh, Andy Daly has an amazing cameo in Table 19. Right, right, he right. He does. That's right. Daly has an amazing cameo in Table 19. And uh, Anna That's took That's just it. what you said. <laughs> I said it. Thanks for that. I said exactly. Wow. I, added, no. I added nothing to it. It's it was actually a little again. sadder even. No, like, but a man said it, so that means it's better. <laughs> oh, right. That's what I was going for. <laughs> yeah. Are either of you manspreading right now? No. I'm manspreading. No, I'm not. <laughs> I still don't even know huge. why anybody would do that. That doesn't make any sense. Um, Anna is manspreading currently in Pitch Perfect 3. Mm, uh, like currently. <laughs> like I am doing it You're, not literally this second, but within 12 hours. Yeah. I will be back on set. Uh, how's it going? You guys it started like a month ago or something like yeah, that? We, yeah, we started filming like a month ago. We had a couple weeks of rehearsal before that. Uh, it's going great. We don't have a finale song yet, and we do start shooting that in a week. But 
<laughs> you know, it. I, I like a little stress happen? in my life. Right. You know, like the it, stress keeps me young. So there's still music in the <laughs> film. You guys are still going yeah, that way. Yeah, spoiler alert. Mm. There's that. music. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Interesting choice. Mm. Okay. Good luck with that. I thought that. people were kind of sick of that, but <laughs> not the way that I would have gone. They want to hammer that, that point yeah. again. Does this? Are you? going into this one or in the middle of this one thinking this is the last one for you or for the franchise or I, you I, it's so weird isn't it because I always feel like I never know what to say because it's not up to me right and you know I, I don't want to say something like I I guess I've got a, a a gut feeling but I have no idea right so um I yeah the truth is it's not up to me so <laughs> And the fact that Becca commits suicide at the very end of the yeah, film, yeah, that, that adds a little a, finality to but, it. But, you know, um, What's-Her-Face came back in Fast and Furious, Michelle right. Rodriguez. Michelle Rodriguez, yes. And didn't we see her die on screen? Yeah. On screen, didn't R- we? Ripley in Alien 3. Sure. She kills herself. This, is this just, this is about spoiling movies for people. Is that the theme of <laughs> <Yeah>. your <laughs> podcast? Is yeah. that what I've Kaiser come into Sose now? Kaiser yeah. is, yeah. <laughs> Remember the crying game, guys? Um... What, and wait, I'm, I'm, am I going to see you play Santa Claus at some point? I saw this uh, float along the transom I, at some that point. Is that a development kind of thing? That contract isn't done, so I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about mm-hmm. it. But Ooh. I can. I can talk all are, about it. Jeff, are you playing Santa Claus? Well, I'm not. No, I don't know. <laughs> I know I'm not saying. Jesus I don't know. Sorry. That, I don't, that oh, doesn't mean brother. anything. I know that made it sound like I actually know something, no. and I don't. I, I know nothing about Christmas. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> Well, I'm with you, man. <laughs> uh, the one other thing I want to bring up, the last time we saw each other, Anna, um, uh, we had cast you as Robin in the forthcoming. Oh, back. man, <laughs> that thing exploded. I could not believe the amount of people who, like, took the, it literally. Took and, it literally. Yeah. Like, there's a smash cut to me wearing a cape. They just think you're good at quick changes. I mean, my actually, my my publicist's dad called my publicist and was like, hey, uh, you know, I've just been checking out what Anna's been doing because, you know, sh- he he knows that, you know, she's going around sure. promoting the accountant with me. And he watched that video and was like, it seems like Ben and Anna don't get along. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm like accusing Ben Affleck of being like Trump and you're trying to silence me because I'm a woman. Right. And I look like the friggin' Hamburglar because I was wearing a striped top <laughs> that day. And like, yeah, her, my publicist's dad was genuinely like, oh, I'm sorry, things are going. That just means you guys are excellent actors and we sold the sketch really well. Yeah. And people are a little bit maybe too impressionable. Yeah. Yeah. I think people just really like to have an opinion on uh, comic casting. Like, I genuinely didn't know how intense people are. They're like, that just, come on, you're just gonna cast a woman as, oh, Ghostbusters. I was like, ah, this is a joke. By the way, Please Robin in the comics was a woman in a great incarnation. So, guys, it can happen and it can be great. Okay. I don't know why I hang out with you. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go back. We'll, we're never going to record another podcast, certainly in this nice studio again. We'll go back to my weird, sketchy office. Uh, Jeff, you're welcome to come back. I know you don't want to. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't you know. I'm going to have to weigh cred. it. Yeah, does it count as a second visit if it's in a different office? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Come on, Jeff. Okay. Right. That come joke on. didn't land come at on. all. Boo. <laughs> Oh that's, what, that's what you can say he's, to somebody that you've worked with for 10 years. He's smarter You're better than that. Place. I don't know. I don't know. I need more coffee. <laughs> uh, we're going to get uh, Mr. Jeff Blitz more coffee. We're going to get Anna Kendrick back to the set of Pitch Perfect 3. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to take a nap. Uh, it's good to see you all. Congratulations on Table 19. Everybody check it out. And uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. 
Thank Far you. out. Thanks, Joe. Bye bye. Never talking to you again. That's rude. <laughs> bye. Why would you say that? <laughs>And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs> this episode of Happy, Sad, Confused was produced by Michael Catano, James T. Green, Mukta Mohan, and Kasia Mihailovic for the MTV Podcast Network with additional engineering by Little Everywhere. You can subscribe to this and all of our other shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts.